Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin a two-week break from our study of Ephesians to honor the Christmas season. Let your mind imagine the picture described in Luke chapter 2, verses 1-20, through 20, the familiar portion of Scripture which takes us to the little town of Bethlehem and the quiet hills nearby. I want us to think back to centuries before that night and let the Spirit of God teach us afresh about what we celebrate under the banner of Christmas. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he unfolds today's slice of this week's message entitled, Ephratha Emanates Excellency. We at Heritage Bible Church also wish you all a merry Christ-centered Christmas. Look what God promised to the great-grandson David. It's over in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And look at, let's look at verses 12 through 16, part of the so-called Davidic covenant, the promises that God made to David. It says, when your days, this is God to David, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. Well, you know who that is. That's referring to Solomon, right? And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Read on. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. God was going to work with Solomon and see it through. Your house, this is God to David now, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne will be established forever. All right. We know that the Messiah has to come from the line of David. He has to be born in Bethlehem. But God does not use that word forever lightly. He promised that David's line passing through Bethlehem of Ephrathah, would, his, his descendant would rule God's people forever. Now, for that to happen you would need an unbroken succession of kings from David to the end of human history. Well, that didn't happen. Or you would need a king who was a descendant of David who would eventually rule forever. That's Jesus. We'll tie it all together as we move along. That brings us to the third important aspect of the origin of Messiah that is here. He has to be the right generations. Go back to chapter 5, verse 2 again, and notice the end of it. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. This is a promise that this one who would be born in Bethlehem has been around since before time began. Eternity in the past. 
This also makes the Messiah unique. Not just born in Bethlehem, not just an ordinary ruler. He would be from long ago, from the days of eternity. Now, how could a ruler exist before he was born? Well, he would have to be eternal. And no one is eternal except God. This was a prediction of God becoming man and being born in Bethlehem. Now look what Jesus said when he was challenged by leaders of the Jews as to who he was. Now that happened roughly every day, several times a day, but I'm thinking specifically of what he said in John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59. They had been saying, well, we have Abraham as our father. And what did Jesus say? He said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born. When was that? That was a long, long time ago. Okay, let's put that back about another three or four hundred, five hundred years before Micah. Before Abraham was born, I am. Now, that's a weird sentence. Unless, of course, you're God. Unless, of course, you're specifically using I am the Greek ego eimi, because it is the exact Greek translation of Exodus chapter 3, where God says, my name is, I am that I am. He used the form of the verb to be to describe himself. You, you think of any time, I am, and I was before that, and I will be after that. It's the eternal one. Therefore, John eight fifty nine. therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, the reason for that attempted stoning is that Jesus' enemies, not the ones, not his sycophants, not that he had any, but not the ones who were struggling to just, you know, give him all the accolades they could. His enemies understood he was claiming to be eternal, and therefore he was claiming to be God. There is a widely circulated piece of biblical fake news that says Jesus never claimed to be God. And that is absolutely not true. The ones who hated him the most understood perfectly clearly that's who he claimed to be. We have his birth certificate in the Scriptures. (laughs) And, And if you will, God filled out his birth certificate 700 years in advance. Now, he probably had to add the exact time of the birth of the child, and all we know is that it was announced to the shepherds while it was dark, so it was least late in the day or some maybe at night. And then he verified all of that in the New Testament record. It's indisputable, but there's more. Not only did Micah record the birthplace and the nature of the Messiah so that when he showed up, he could be recognized, he also recorded the description of the unique work that he was going to do. And by the way, we keep saying, you know, they should have recognized him or they could have recognized him if they wanted to. You know, some did. You remember Simeon? He held the baby in his arms and said, okay, I can die now. I have seen him. There were those who did put it all together, who did figure all of this out. But Micah goes beyond that. He He gives us the description of the unique work that he would do. 
Now, we don't have time for every detail of this, but let me just show you. He also gives you three essentials of Jesus' work. Keep on reading after the famous Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Verse 3 in the beginning of verse 4 says this, Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Now, it would take a while to put all of that together, but here's what's, here's what's going on there. Remember, Micah was predicting the Babylonian captivity. God is faithful. God always keeps His promise. He promised you that He would bless you if you were faithful in the land. He promised you that He would chasten you if you were unfaithful in the land. You were unfaithful. You're going to be chastened. You're going into captivity. Micah was predicting that Babylonian captivity that would come before the Messiah would come. But when He came, His people could recognize Him not only by his origin, but also by the things that he would do. And he says, when he comes, after the captivity, his first job description is he's going to stand and shepherd his people. Now, remember, we're talking about the timing of his coming. The timing that was promised via Micah wasn't really specific. He didn't give Micah a specific time that would happen, but he gave him a sequence of events First comes the captivity, then there's going to be a restoration, kind of like a nation being reborn. They will come back, they will rebuild the temple, they will rebuild Jerusalem. You've got to put together other, other prophets to, uh, to get all of that. Uh, and all that Micah knew is, first is coming the captivity, then is coming the Messiah. All he knew was, that's the sequence. He had no idea that it would be hundreds of years after the captivity that the Messiah would come. He didn't even know for sure the 140 year or 135 years between the first wave of the captives and the second wave of the captives. We have no indication that he knew that for sure. But the judgment was going to hurt, but that would not mean that God permanently was rejecting His people. They would be restored. And the first thing that they would see about this description of the activities of the one who was to come is that he's going to be a shepherd. He will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. What did Jesus say about who he was? Again from John, John chapter 10, the sheep and shepherd passage, verses 14 and 15, and then down to 19 and 20, he says, I am the good shepherd. And I know them. I know my own. My own know me. And even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Skip down to verse 19. A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Many were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Why the pushback there? Because They knew what Jesus was claiming. They knew He was claiming to be the promised one, the one who would shepherd the sheep. They knew He was claiming to be the one that's described in Psalm 23. The pushback was because they understood. And, by the way, 
He did exactly what he said he would do. He actually did lay down his life for his sheep. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.